Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is, is the story, story So Farscape. Farscape. All right. And what a story it is. Yes. Okay, everyone, we're on uh, uh, episode... Well, okay, hold on. Let's see if we can guess which episode this is based on... Ooh, let's grab our handy-dandy little uh, database. In which the crew's don't shoot us, we're pathetic defense doesn't work. It's the Three Freaking Stooges meets Freaky Friday when the crew are attacked by a militant race of asthmatic bird people. Thank you for that one, Wookie. Billy Roberts, Peacekeeper Jed 1, says, Boya has been sighted while the crew discover the Dark Crystal. Will they be able to find him while they are out of their minds? Test Monkey 6K says, Skeksis get the crew on, whose line is it anyway, <laughs> while Moya gets slimed. These are so good. They're fantastic. Yeah, so we're on episode uh, 209, Out of Their minds which recently hey we occasionally do uh, uh, guest spots on Gigi Edgeley's uh, Twitch stream and recently we I mean for us very very recently it was literally yes. a few hours ago she asked us the question oh hey guys what episode are you going to watch next and I said the number and the title was like oh and what happens well and then I had to describe it without without yes, you so you made me look away while I did a gesture to explain it to, to Gigi. So oh, what gesture do you, you think? Make. I mean, this is great for a podcast, obviously. Yes. Can uh, you well, show our listeners what gesture you think I made oh, so that she I'm, would immediately recognize which episode? I am trying to think very hard about that. I mean, I, I want to go, but none of them involve either you standing up or imitating Anthony Simcoe trying to pretend to be Gigi. Right. Uh, okay, which would have been great, yeah. but then I would have just been doing my own Chiana impersonation, right, yes. kind of. So I'm, I'm, it's like, how do you mi mimic a mind swap? Yeah, I didn't mimic a mind swap. No. Yeah, you're going to kick yourself. Yeah, okay. What did you do? So I unbuttoned oh, my shirt. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, and I, yes, and yes, I looked no. down and I had myself a good old jiggle. Shake around, yes. <laughs> yes no, that would, be, that would be a very good way to uh, describe this. No, yes. And so... Okay, and we've just watched the episode, as is our want. We watched the episode, and then we set up the microphones, and then we record it. And while you were setting up the microphones, I wrote a filk song about this about this episode I am to describe it further. Impressed with your talent to do that. Thank you. So this is going to be for your amusement a riff on McLean and McLean, the dirty Canadian duo of folk comedy musicians, originally called Dolly Parton's. Well, you'll hear when we get there. All right. Uh, do you want to help me keep time? Mm. I'm thinking about a like this night. Yeah, there you go. Nice four on the floor. Don't shoot us, we're pathetic, doesn't work on the hallucinations, and Moya's old defense screens on the fritz. There's vomit on the cables, and the DRD's got printers, but I'd love to see that Johnny Crichton's bits. Yeah, I'd love to see that Johnny Crichton's bits. I'd like to point them like a gun, and Aaron had some fun, but how they look remains a mystery. With my hands stuffed deep in its pockets, just thinking about sweet Johnny's rocket. Here they come again, my fantasies. Ooh, ooh. Oh, wow, that is amazing. Did you just whip that up in five minutes? I'm, Look, I'm just like... It was originally about Dolly Parton's tits, and so okay. it's, it's a really great fit. It's very fitting to the episode. We might actually have to put that to music and like... <gasps> Oh! I mean, I'll have to break out the ukulele if I can get us like a simple enough uh, chord progression for that. Oh. Practice it a little bit. Oh, We're that's gonna have some fun! <laughs> oh! Wow, what a head rush. Yeah, a little bit, right? I mean, this whole episode 
Kate, I've been looking forward to it for, for so long. I can imagine why. This is amazing. Everybody gets to ham it up. Everyone gets to, like, have yeah. fun. Because they all, they all swap bodies. They, they do fantastic impersonations. Well... Some of them better than some others. Some of them do fantastic impersonations of each yes. other. And other ones just, like... Oh, when, when Jonathan Hardy, the voice of Rigel, tries yeah. to do Crichton, he just sort of rolls his R's and he calls that an American accent. He sort of started, sounded like a, like a wurzel, like a farmer. Part of the beam gets through. That's the part that affects us. I th- actually thought at certain points that they were like, do, especially in the beginning, it, it sounded like they were doing a little bit of overdubbing and like yes, mixing two good. voices together. I'm not me. Who are you? I'm Dargo. Look at what I am. What the hell's going, going on? on? What do you think? Screw me, this is impossible. I was kind of surprised that they didn't keep doing that, and but they started relying it entirely on the actors doing it. Uh. Yeah, so Ian Watson, the director, he's he's done a lot of episodes before. Like yeah. He really sunk his teeth into this script to make it work. Like He organized rehearsal sessions for people to like practice each other's mannerisms. Yes. Right? To get like Anthony Simcoe used to the specific head tilts, and, and Crichton used to... I mean, he got a lot of training, I guess, from the Rigel puppeteers. Yes. Uh, for like how to, yeah, and I noticed that as well. Like I was amazed by the puppeteering work as well. When you actually saw a pilot doing Chiana, that must have been so amazing to uh, for them yeah. to like completely take over that mimicry as well. And uh, same with Rigel, that there was like some of those facial expressions and those looks that, like, they must have just been studying the actors and like yeah. trying to copy that and bring that onto the puppet. Yeah, that was really good to watch. I mean, it was fun with the actors, but it was amazing to see with the puppets. Yeah, the, sorry, the, 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 the creations, the, mupp- uh, the, the creatures, the no, creatures. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. That's entirely that's entirely true. You had whole teams of of puppeteers and and animators behind them, and of course Lani Tupu having to do his uh, Anthony Simcoe and uh, right. Gigi Edgley impersonations. Voice impersonations, yeah. You passed out. I thought you were dead. I'm attempting evasive maneuvers, but my still wants to starburst. Yes, the first scene after the body swap, they do indeed like to a sort of dual layered effect where you have yeah. the the body actor and the character actor's voices overlaid over one another. And after that, it's just everyone's impersonation. So originally, they were looking at overdubbing everyone, just having yeah. like Aaron's body, but then overdubbing it with Ben Browder. But Ian Watson actually made, went to the lengths of doing some research, talking to who. I forget whether it was like, no, it was a speech therapist uh, that he knew at Brisbane University or, or, or whatever. They told him, well, like if someone else inhabited your body, they'd still be using your lips, tongue, uh, vocal cords. Like yeah. that instrument would still be the same. It would still have the same timbre. You wouldn't lower your uh, your larynx, for example. No. Like uh, generally men, people with uh, who grew up with a lot of testosterone uh, would have a lower larynx than yeah. people with, with less testosterone. And so like that instrument would be the same. You'd just be using it differently. So teach them to do different accents. Right. And the speech patterns are, of course, the most more important ones. They'd have to completely write the script for everything as if everybody was doing the same thing and saying the things yeah, that they yeah. normally would and then just, like, have the other actors do that line, I suppose. Oh, yeah, that's probably how they how they did the rehearsals. Everybody does their own character first. Yes. And then everybody else, like, watches, what are you, what choices are you making? How are you How, how are, are you doing, doing it? it? And then, then the next time round, everybody plays it the way they saw the other person play it. It's so interesting to see how, how some of them, like... When Gigi Edgley was doing pilot, she couldn't quite resist the the sort of self-interruption. Mm. I, I don't, right? That's a very, like, Gianna, well, right. Gigi Edgley-specific thing. Man, it was so good. The sensor say screen power is at uh, 62%. Okay, <sighs> okay. And the thing that makes this, like, such a fantastic episode, if we didn't have the body swap going on, we would be talking about how the 
the Frelling Skeksis on this show now. Well, yes. I mean, that's right? going to come up. Uh, that's definitely one of my notes. Okay. Well, right. how about we crack that open? Because, hey, big news. My book came in that I bought off of eBay. Ooh. Yeah, I have it right here. So this is, it's out of print. It's called The Creatures of Farscape. It's and, it's, a- and it's got bloody Scorpius on the front. He's like got his full malevolent grin on the uh, yeah. on his face, his yellow teeth, his gleeful <laughs> eyes like peeking out through from dark cresses in his like under his eyebrows. Oh, he's fantastic. Well, yeah. because this is also a Dave Elsie creation. All the all the prosthetic applications and the and yeah. brand new techniques being developed. So this is inside Jim Henson's Creature Shop by Joe Mazzaro. It was it was out of print. Cost a bit of money on on eBay, which is possibly more reason why we definitely need to start a Patreon soon. Oh, okay. But so, okay, there are many pages in here that I cannot share with you because they're for, for later seasons. But yeah. I, I quickly peeked and I saw one, and I'm rolling through, and that was about the Halosians, which appear in this episode. Yeah, here I'll we just, go. i like, keep my eyes averted. So we've got some some sketches yes. of the of the Halosians where they're they're actually much more like physically animated. You see their bodies. Oh yeah, they're not quite a little tarpaulin with a, a few people hiding underneath it to do all the uh, yes. motion puppetry. I mean, I always kind of suspected that each sketch has probably had at least two people in them. So uh, this but, is something that was fascinating about about reading this. There's a, there's a little bit where Dave Elsie talks about this creation where he talks about oh we maybe went a little too close to the Skeksis. Yes. And he was a little upset with the costume department for draping them in these tarps. Right. Whereas we went through the effort of like fully animating them and getting musculature moving under, right. underneath. And then you don't see any of that. Mm, yeah, I can like, see how that would like upset them a little bit. I mean, I noticed especially the way that the the jaw seems to be completely bare and you can just see some muscles which are supposedly moving the... Uh, yeah, how do they eat? Yeah. Why, do, why, do, why does a jaw even move when they're talking? Yeah, it makes no it, sense. What does it do? <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a weird sort of mandible, but hey, they're a weird sort of creature because they can they can vomit up moving like intelligent puke. So yes, who which, knows what's going on? I mean, on. that's like the last time I saw something like that coming up is when like I had a few too many Jello shots at a party, <laughs> and that was <laughs> I was there. God. They were very good Jello shots. Mm. I don't think I did that particular shade of red, but... Ooh. Oh, dear. And also, they weren't jello. They were uh, agar-agar, but... Oh, okay. Makes, because that makes them vegetarian. Oh, very good. Yeah. So, I think this is the longest that we've gone on an intro that is entirely on topic... Without talking about the episode at all. Yeah. So, I, I guess we can sort of breeze through the, the episode. Prepare for Starburst. Okay, so we we open with it's yellow alerts. So you've got the yellow Lights alert flashing, flashing yeah. everywhere, and John's trying to get his shoes on. I'm awake. I'm awake because yeah. apparently I love this. There's been a whole crisis going on that he has slept through like half of it. I know. I was and only now they're going to yellow alert, and he does that like like hop and skip trying to get his shoes on. He almost sprains his ankle as he uh, <laughs> tries to run off without yeah. his shoe in pr- proper in position. And there is another ship on screen which is powering up to fire at them. What do we do to piss these guys off? Nothing we're aware of. A gorgeous ship. I love this design. It's, it's sort of all a- spikes, really. Petals and spikes. Oh, it's like a... It's like a, a very angry hummingbird. Yes, and you've got like hummingbird feeder plants, or what yeah, they exactly. call it, sort of like a bird of paradise. It's got a, yeah, it's got a spiky beak, lots of spikes. I I almost don't believe that this is CGI. Like, just looking oh, at it, doesn't a model. it sort of look like a model? It's just a model. Well... <laughs> Let's not go of, there, it's a silly place. I don't know whether they do 
on Farscape whether they're actually set up, but it Not looks so good. Yeah. As he runs up onto the command, Chana and Dargo are in pilot's chamber, busily repatching the power screen, which is interesting because I believe that thing was somewhere else earlier on. But I guess it's like plot required that now all the cables run through pilot's chamber. Oh, okay. Well, they had it on the the defense screen, like control unit yeah. or generator was on the command. It was in front of the confetti thrower. Yes. Well, it still it still is. <laughs> You've still got the the gentleman standing off screen with buckets of yeah. uh, cardboard crap to throw around. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe like. Uh, a, a lot of, I mean, we get to see the depths of Pilot's Den, oh, how far down it yeah, goes. we do, yes. Which I think we've seen before. Not uh, because that's that deep. Well, it's also where the um, the starburst energy sort of cycles oh, up. Like okay. when you, yeah, it's also the, the, the sort of the starburst energy chamber where you mm. get this this blue lightning going up through this gigantic it, cavernous space. It shows just, if, I mean, if that actually goes down, then, I mean, Moya is much longer than she is tall. Yeah. So if that's just like, Ooh, the scale of Moya must be like even more enormous Just than I'd already thought. Staggering. Yeah. And it's not even the biggest ship around. Oh, no. Leviathans. No. Okay. In terms of like ships, probably less of Moya in terms of her, her volume is like human accessible than. Uh, there's a good point there. Yeah. You know, she'd just have organs and maybe like some, right. some DRD. A lot uh, of biologicals going around there. Yeah. Yeah. Zan, in the meantime, has already been very forthcoming, or at least, no, sorry. Forthgoing? Forthgoing. No, I know what you're going for. Right. Like she's, she's sort of like in, uh, in, in police squad, Frank Drebin's like, yeah. chief. My chief was already on the scene, like any time that he arrives. Yes, and she is already on board the alien ship uh, yeah. coming to parlay. I've auto-docked and I'm coming toward what I think is their command. Zan's on their ship? Because they're being threatened by an alien ship that doesn't communicate with them. It looks heavily damaged, but it's also got their weapons charged. Yeah, they're being targeted. <laughs> John asked whether they sent the don't shoot, we're pathetic signal. And Dargo says completely seriously, It's the first thing we tried, but they still target us. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dargo has come a long way. He has, he has. Zan finds a dying Skeksis whom she tries to comfort and console and, like, you don't have to, like, shoot us uh, because we're... We do not have any weapons. No weapons. Nothing. Yes! No weapons. Destroy their ship. The alien... What's what they called again? Halosians. The Halosians... Uh, but let's just call them Skeksis, basically, because that's... Right. Come on, we They all are know. totally Skeksis, I mean, yeah. even their names. Like, here we've got... I am Tech. Skektak is totally a Skeksis name. No, Skektak and Skekyods. Yeah. The moment he finds out that uh, they're unarmed, she goes like, ha-ha, we are now victorious, gives her, gives her a good, good smacking around, throws her about, and they go about firing their weapon. Time to open fire. Yeah, he gives that order to the only other surviving uh, Skeksis, that's, that's yours. We've actually heard her voice before. Mm. So she is voiced by Angie Milliken, who also did Volme in Thank God It's Friday Again. She oh. was the uh, the sort of white skin right, woman yeah. with, a, with a very weird, who blinked one eye at a time. Yes. Oh, the, the, the only white person in the entire red environment. Yes, I remember her. The gun shoots and with the defense screens charged to only 62%. 62%. 62%. 62%. 62%. It impacts Moya. The confetti machine is detonated, lots of sparks everywhere, (laughs) and a very weird effect as we see, like, John's soul leap out of his body and into... Into uh, Aaron. Into Aaron. And the same between Aaron and Rigel and between Rigel and Don. And they come out, they sort of calm down, you see everyone... Uh, on the command, looking at each other. Aaron sort of touching her lips. 
uh, Rigel looking immediately you recognize that something's up with Rigel like yeah. his eyebrows are up he's looking around with concern and and intelligence and which well Crichton I mean, is like throws sort of dumbfounded dumb, what's going on frel. yeah and it turns out that everybody they have mind swapped everything has been like moved around one step in the circle one to the left is kind of is kind of the rule because uh, on the on the command we had uh, Aaron John and Rigel and they've all body swapped just a little bit and this is where when they first start speaking to each other yeah it's overlaid with the body actor and the and the character actor yeah <laughs> okay so are we going to refer to the oh are we going to say John when we're talking about John's soul or John's body Right. Okay. Yeah. I I actually had a lot of trouble like working this into my notes as well because I usually sort of uh, uh, speed write and just use initials. And okay, so we also can't say like Rigel in John. There's like fan fiction levels of that going on towards the end of the episode. <laughs> yes. God, I'm sure that I'm sure that my gross filk song is nowhere near the top of the the sort of grossometer. I mean, okay. we, we can refer to the actor and the character. That's a good idea. Yes. yes. So Ben Browder as Rigel. Yeah, so Ben Ben goes immediately goes to his knees because Rigel has no idea of how to control long legs <laughs> yes, like that. That's right. He flops around. <laughs> it, it's so good. Like even when whenever you see him anywhere not having to do anything, his elbows are very close to his, uh, his because chest. Because he's got, got stubby short stubby arms. And... He's just not used to having long arms, so he doesn't do anything with them. He's got his he's got his fingers steepled like he often does. Uh, who's in Aaron's Claudia. body? Uh, John's in. John is in Claudia. Uh, Claudia's yeah, so playing Black John. Yeah, is, yeah, is playing John, and she does her American. I am a real American, American man. Draw, yeah, it's the three freaking stooges. I'm hitting myself. Gosh, she does try. We all do, buddy. We all do. Yeah, she squares her shoulders, and she, I think she does a very good job of portraying John. Yes. Because she does something that John often does in these scenes, which is not focused too much on exactly what people are saying, yeah. but more like, where does this conversation need to be going? What priorities should we actually be talking about? Something that when she's playing Aaron, she's much more on the level of what's happening in this room. Mm. So that was really interesting to see her, Claudia Black, elevate herself out of that, uh, that yeah. usual habit. Meanwhile, in Pilot's Chamber, something similar has happened, but it's like people are taking it a little less well because there are like some complications. Oh, yeah. Um, Pilot's mind is now inhabiting Chana's body, and Dargo is in Pilot. He's panicking. Okay, this is tricky because how do you describe the the body who plays the body of pilot oh great yeah so there goes my here plan but right, but still, we yeah. can do it we can, okay for Rigel it's it's Tim Meaville he's the lead puppeteer and here I think it's literally called Team Pilot okay because it's not a single uh, no that person makes sense that's, but uh, okay. yeah and this is the, the the one that I really love is when uh, Anthony uh, Simcoe is doing uh, Chana moves and like you can see him having so much fun yeah. like doing that little hip sway and uh, moving his shoulders and his arms out and a little bit tilts. and yeah he's trying to mimic her uh, kind of like speech patterns and it's yeah you know what you have to do Rigel get the frill out of here oh, oh he's, he's <laughs> so fun I, I think I think honestly he's the best of the bunch they all they all really try I, I all I, I love 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 and I don't know that I could do I could do any better but Anthony Simcoe is definitely the best I agree I know so uh, they have a, they have a problem because Dargo inhabiting the pilots Pilot's yeah. body is not used to the extraordinary mental mental multitasking that Pilot does all the time in his brain, in his claws, in his senses. Which I thought was like, if anybody with his dual brain structure, he should have been the one 
probably most suited to her, uh, towards having that duality between right. Pilate and Moya. So it seems not to be quite so simple. Maybe it's no. a, it's an entirely different kind of neural structure. And in, in the same way that when Pilate's mind is inhabiting Chiana's body, he can't make her legs work. Right, yeah. Like, apparently he just doesn't have... I mean, he has legs. I mean, his own body has legs, although he hasn't used them for several cycles. So maybe that's... Okay, so insects, yeah. stuff like uh, centipedes and millipedes... Yeah. <laughs> Bugs! Like, they don't... They don't have a centralized nervous system, right? They yeah. have a decentralized nervous system with little mini brains distributed throughout their body yeah. to do stuff like driving and synchronizing their legs. Yeah. So maybe it's something like that that he's used to Could just well sort be. of sending directional instructions to his his lower sub-brains, and then they organize the legs, and, well, Chiana's body doesn't have one of those sub-brains. That's like a classic one in The Centipede's Dilemma. What? Oh, it's a story by... Um it's a, a part of the Callahan's Cross Time Saloon series, Whoa. where a guy uh, who's a time traveler from the future is running a, some sort of bar in Long Island, Whoa. and they occasionally have weird uh, people show up. And at one point, uh, there's a like a, a centipede-type alien who shows up and who's like has all sorts of superior intellects, and he finally manages to like kirk his way out of the situation by uh, <laughs> I think they, they set him to a challenge where they go like, "Oh, I can answer any question you have for me," and uh, he finally manages to best him by asking the question, which leg do you start with? Oh. <laughs> so I guess that might be the case here. There's only two, but you can't decide which one to start with. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so and so paralyzed on the on the ground, Pilot, as Gigi Edgley, explained, and I think she did a great job in mm-hmm. like channeling his calm and his yeah. focus. I never thought I'd be separated from Moya again. Despite being kind of overwhelmed by the uh, oh. by the whole situation. Lani Tupu. Yeah. Lani Tupu is is, right. is the inhabitant, like yeah. he is the oh. portrayer of uh, very good point. Who does yeah. a very very good uh, Dargo impersonation? Yes, Frala, I can't do it. I tried, but I can't do it. And the puppeteers do a great job of doing Dargo face with his frown and his yeah. uh, the urgency. I really love that. And also, I noticed during that scene is like even though they're talking about what's going on with the other ship, there mm. are no external shots in that entire scene. So. There, there's a lot of right. talk about yes, what's going on. Good. And I thought that was a really good way of portraying that we don't have, like, Pilot's omniscience sensing of what Moya is seeing right. and doing. yeah. And that you therefore uh, yeah, get a little bit of that, like, okay, stuff is happening, but Pilot, who's usually the person who is, like, interpreting what's going outside for us, we don't yeah. get that. Uh, Very good. Because, yeah, on the command, they can look out the front viewport and see yeah. that giant ship, which... You know, space distances. If there were actually space distances apart, you wouldn't be able to see. Yeah, anything, then there whatever. was some zooming in on that as well. But yeah, it's like in a submarine. You Compliant, don't really have yeah. a view. You just have information, which pilot usually gives. So uh, a pilot inhabiting uh, Gigi Edgley explains to Dargo inhabiting Lani Tupu. Uh, yes, I thought this was a great description of the kind of mental multitasking and sort of synesthesia. Mm. Like there's lots of noises in your mind. Push them all away, push through yeah. them, and there's a soft, high-pitched Tone, sound yeah. that sort of feels like red. a color, yeah. like a dark red. I always imagine it's as red. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. That's what I, he says. I yeah. can see the red sound because that kind of... I've done that before. Mm-hmm. I've done that. Oh, no, here's what it reminds me of. I once saw the instruction manual for a fridge. Yes. And you know how, well, we're European, so the instruction manuals are usually very very thick books with like a dozen languages in them where they're all described. Mm-hmm. Uh, and someone had an instruction manual that was actually quite thin and was, was supposed to be like language agnostic, so it was yeah. all pictures. 
And so it was trying to describe which noises. Ah, yes. Right. And so it uh, like if it sounds like a wasp, and then it had a drawing of a wasp, or if it sounds like a bike pedaling. Yes, I've seen those for for yeah for refrigerators. Like it's a pur- exactly. purring cat, or these, yes. are, these are all normal noises. Yeah. And that's so great because then you can take a picture and you describe like yeah, it sort of looks like a cat. Yeah, that's how it. That's how it sounds. Uh, and to use that, so that red color is the life support system, and you use that as a rope. Imagine a rope, and then hang all the other sounds on that. Keep that in your brain at all times. And that actually every, seems everything to work. Everything ties back into that. Yes. What a brilliant thing. Like, there are multiple definitions of mastery, like being very good at a skill. And yeah. one of them is to excel at it. But a different one is to be able to teach someone mm. very effectively how to do that. Okay. And that's the one that I really, really respect. Like, when you, by the time that you can teach someone to be better at something than you are, mm. that's something worthy of awe. And so for Pilot to be able to explain how to do this mental multitasking to someone else so effectively. Yeah, especially really since they're not like... Yeah, I, see, I can imagine how that would work because... Dargo's mind is not used to having this biological access to all these uh, right, processes. Right, yeah. He's got and, new uh, mental faculties that yeah, he hadn't there's had like before. Senses that he's never uh, had. The glimpses I get of what you experience, pilot, they make my own life feel insignificant. Zan has been captured and is being shown after she asks uh, why they, uh, they attacked. Not she get- you, your smaller ship. Right, and it turns out that Talon has been shooting on these aliens. Yeah, they've got this sort of skin membrane screen that they display a picture of uh, uh, Talon opening fire and blasting the Holotian ship. He looks fierce, by the way. Yes, he's grown a bit. Yeah, which sort of suggests, I'm just thinking about this right now, the Skeksis haven't seen a, a Leviathan before. I guess not, no. Otherwise, they'd know that there are hundreds Millions, yes, however many. Yeah. And in various sizes, I presume. Yeah. I don't know. Did we keep them, like, penned, corralled up somewhere in space until they've grown to their full size? And even then, they would, if they're bio- biomechanical, they would still have probably some variation in size. I plead the Sith. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, borrowing that from the other podcast yes. about Star Wars Rebels. Rebel Air, that's Air with an H. Quick shout-out. Had to do it. Okay, so this whole side plot... You know, it's not even fair to talk about A plot and B plot no, because is, it's all the same yeah. all the same one. So because Talon has has attacked the Holotians, uh, the Holotians felt entitled to attack Moya. Destroy them. Stop! And Zan's strategy is to convince them that Moya is peaceful. And yeah, we are should unarmed. go aboard, yeah. investigate, see that there is uh, uh, that there are no weapons aboard. But the Holotians are sneaky mm. because they have a code. As they disco- Zan discovers from uh, Yoz, the other Skex is played by yeah. uh, Angie Milliken, in order to evolve, which I guess is like promotion to them. I guess them. so. They, this commander needs to get kills from uh, offensive ships, like yeah. other, other ships which attack them, and then he has to kill them. So he's got ulterior modes, but we're getting deep into Mintaka 3 territory here. Which I think is necessary, because the thing yeah. that we want to talk about is everybody doing each other. True. In the, like, so let's clear out the sort of plot arc. She eventually convinces uh, Skektak to board Moya. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets a tour during which he uh, is convinced that there are no weapons. Yep. Rigel, inhabited by, or portrayed by Ben Browder, yep. says, well, now that you're convinced, can you swap us all back? And then Skektak is sick and, oh. Right. So that's another interesting part. It's like when they are walking about the ship with Skektak around, they seem to be be waffling a little bit about whether or not they have informed the 
the Skek sees that there has been a body swap. They, they're, yes. they're constantly making allusions to it, but not actually going out and saying it, except Rigel then being Rigel. Yeah. Uh, you can change me back, right? Everything will be dealt with. And at that point, I'm thinking like, okay, so they did tell them, but then a little bit later yeah. on, it doesn't. Turns out that no, you just had no idea what he was talking about, and he was just kind of ignoring him. Yep, because Rigel assumed that they'd done it on purpose. That that yes. was the function of the weapon, and therefore, if you've done this to us, you can undo it. And Skaktak is actually pretty smart in saying, "Well, it'll be taken care of." And then later right. asks Zan about it, like, "What? What? What means was he talking this? about?" And Zan, of course, doesn't know because yep. she has no idea that this had going on. But in order to alleviate the confusion about who's who, it turns out that DRDs can take Polaroids. Yeah. And, and they've they... got little Instax printers in them. Can't you remember who we are? No, I can't, Einstein. If these guys attack again, I gotta know who I'm talking to. Do this little boing, it kind of pops out more like a, a piece of toast from a toaster yeah. than it does from a Polaroid, but... Prints yeah. out a con badge for everyone to wear. And uh, everybody goes around wearing their uh, the face of the person that they actually are. It reminded me a lot of a furry convention where no, people that. wear con badges with, with drawings of their yeah. fursona, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's honestly kind of a cosplay convention there. It is. So, okay, resolving the issue, while Skek Tak is aboard Moya, Zan has a chance to talk to uh, Skek Yaws, mm -hmm. who says that, oh, uh, 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 their captain is actually... Uh, a, a deceiver because she shows her the, the what happened before Talon opened fire and that was Krace communicating with them from the bridge of Talon yeah I travel in peace and we wish safe passage and then only after uh, Talon is fired upon does Krace order Talon to retaliate yeah and shoot them up but not even destroy the ship they, it, they, he just like returns fire kind of disables them yeah. kills 30 of their crew apparently with only those two uh uh, yeah. remaining, and then flies off. Boya has some teeth. Yeah. Oof. But it also sh shows an interesting bit of uh, Krace's uh, mental state at the point, where he is, in fact, not being just, like, I've got my gunship, I'm going to shoot uh, shoot yeah. everybody to bits. That gives which him all is a kind measure of, the, of hope. Yeah. That he's going to be a, a, a sensible person later, even though he has his own goals and desires. So uh, Zan then talks Yaws into killing uh, Skaktak yes. for failing several times. Right? Is there a way that you can dispose of your commander that you can like that your code allows for? And it turns out that yes, if he fails, then he can be disposed of by the next in command, which he does quite brutally. Oh yeah. I mean, we've in in the Dark Crystal, which, by the way, that's where the Skeksis are from. For anyone who's yes. confused that we've talked about Skeksis so easily, yeah, the, the, the giant evil bird creatures. Trial by stone, or in this case, piece of the bridge that they get smacked around with. <laughs> yeah. And then she goes for the jugular yeah. with, her, uh, with her bitey beak. But Skekios, turns out, is just more of the same. She's a chip of the old block. She has also been uh, abusing Zan's trust. Yes. She's also just as violent. She also wants to destroy Moya now. Because now, apparently, she gets the kills or something like that. Zan's had enough of it. She rips her hand almost off to get it through the, yes. uh, the manacle. It kind, of, it kind of withers or something, as of like a dying tree branch. Yes. And then she can slip it out of the cuff which she's been held in, prisoned in. Effortlessly knocks uh, Skek Yaws down and takes control of the Holotian ship. Yeah. All right. So we've got all that. But okay. So one more thing. I oh, noticed yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, in, in dealing with the Helotians, Zahn was really getting into the mind of the subcommander. Uh, yes. She was yeah. like, I, I won't say gaslighting him, but like really talking up their fears, desires, whatever, just like getting under their yeah. skin a little bit and trying to like 
get them riled up against the uh, the commander. Then you shall replace him. Me? Why not? Wouldn't you evolve quicker if you did? See, this is what I mean. If it hadn't been for the body swap being so, so cool, just this aspect, this would have been an amazing Zahn episode where, mm. as you say, yeah, like she's really paying attention to, to, to what's happening. She's doing some, like, some crisis anthropology, like listening to what they're saying, how they're talking about their evolution and just quickly internalizing it. Well, if you're only concerned with your own evolve, using their own terms, using their words whenever she learns yeah. them, she's very, very intelligent here. But of course, the Halosians are actually a little bit more devious than she's even able to, uh, yes. to handle. Tack was full! I will evolve! So, on Moya, lots and lots of cool shit is happening. It's, it's so much fun seeing all these characters like inhabiting each other, comforting each other. These combinations are, are, are really quite amazing. Yes, especially after Zahn has talked the uh, commander to go over to Moya to check them out. Everybody moves over as the wait as the welcoming party in the shuttle bay, and yep. of course, Rigel, being played by Ben Browder at this point. <laughs> yeah. Just, I think I have to um... now. Yes, now, right now. Yes, mm. needs to go pee. <laughs> Can you just hold it? Like, I, I don't, don't know how to hold it. It's... I don't know how to hold it, Chian. I don't know this body. And he just like okay, go over there. Goes in a corner. What here? You over there now? Right. Go there now. Uh, Crichton. What? Uh, can you show me how to do this? Oh my god! Get step by step instructions from John, being played by Rigel. Uh, sorry, but Claudia by, Black. Uh, yeah, by, by <laughs> who rolls her eyes and like, okay, so unzip. What's yeah. a zip? Oh no, I see. And then take it out, point it like a gun, and, and let go. And Rigel is like, oh, this is good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we've seen Rigel pe peeing before, and it wasn't pleasant. Because yeah, basically everything got set on fire, if I recall correctly. That's only because you've been eating the tannin root. But you see him go like, oh, that's clever. Ever. That's a handy thing to have around. I, I near God, that is good. <laughs> He's really delighting. And we came very close to seeing that Johnny Crichton's bits. But no, he turns at the last second, does, yes. uh, does Ben Browder. He keeps it all PG-13. Um, and he's having a nice wee wee wee. In the corner of the uh, shuttle deck, yep. Yeah, that's later on when, when Skektak is taking a tour and feel, I feel ill and, oh no, says uh, says Rigel, played by Ben Browder. Excuse no, no, that's all right. We do that sort of thing all the time here on Moya. I just peed in the maintenance bay. We do it all the time here. <laughs> sort of like the Queen of England when she was hosting a, a foreign dignitary for oh. dinner and the little sort of lemon water uh, bowls finger were passed bowl, around. Yeah. The finger bowls were passed around and the dignitary, not being certain what it was, decided it was a lovely beverage and had a took little a sip. of it. And Her Majesty took her own finger bowl drank from it to set the example that, yes, it is now a beverage. Yes. We're not going to embarrass one another. Yep, that's the, the the height of diplomacy, I suppose. Ben Browder was having so much fun as Rigel. He was, like, throughout those early scenes, he was playing with his nostrils. Yes, like, he's like, he's standing there with his finger, finger in there. That's so good. <laughs> or sniffing his boots. Like, ooh, ooh. 
Yes, there was a lot of that going on all the time. And I, I guess my favorite is still Anthony Simcoe playing Chiana and like doing all her like yeah. dance, dancey moves and the, his, that wide-eyed look. And, and the, way he's, uh, the way that Chiana always sort of stands back from the action. Mm-hmm. Like she gets really up close with people. But when there's stuff going on, stuff where, you know, I don't know, any kind of action, anything that needs to be done, she usually stands back in that sort of, in that sort of pose. She, like, she dominates a lot of the space. She's got her, she's got her butt back and her mm-hmm. chest forward, constantly in motion. And yeah, Anthony Simcoe, oh, what a job he did. Right. But when, whereas uh, when Gigi was playing Dargo, then it's like all blustery and. Uh... I felt the power of the blast before I shifted out of pilot, I think. The beam was trying to destroy Moya, not make us switch bodies. Okay, no, you're right. Yeah. When she was doing Dargo, which happens after the next body swap, when, oh, I forget which of the Skeksis fires a second time once their yeah. weapon is reloaded, or whatever, they all get swapped around again within the same sort of uh, group of three, yes. by, uh, by good coincidence. Yeah, she gets to play uh, Dargo, and she does, like, very aggressive. Her eyes get darker, it seems like. Her oh, whole sort of maybe they gave her different contacts. Face and brow yeah. sort of contort. So yes, what the Skeksis commander does is he throws up uh, in some sort of control room and his jello vomit starts crawling up the ducts, uh, going to short out the uh, cabling that they had towards the uh, shield generator. I love, the, I know Kaki loves everything, but I love that, like the, the sort of visual effect of this red jello acid slime yes. targeting was clearly just like, dripping some thick jello down the cables and tilt, reversing yeah, the... Yeah, tilt it, put the shot upside down or even at an angle, because that's what really makes it. Sometimes you can kind of see it reaching out up at an angle. Yeah. And you just realize, yeah, they must have just tilted the entire thing 45 degrees upside down. And Who needs CGI? Yeah. We've got Aussie ingenuity like that. <laughs> that must have taken a lot of shots, too, to get that right. I'm like, oh, it dropped off again. It's like it missed it or it went wrong. But see, it, I it wonder about amazing. that. I mean, as long as it looks consistent with each other, because what's the intention? Right. Try, it, it needs to go up there, I suppose. Yeah, I imagine like you just you try it a bunch of times and you sort of piece together. Oh, sorry, I don't mean to like undermine the the no. effort that it went into it, but I can sort of imagine you try it a bunch of times and then you like make combinations of those shots that yeah. sort of seem like oh they have the same kind of agency. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And then that's the attitude that we're going to use because. God, Aussie ingenuity, nothing like it. Because that breaks down the shield, because they want to get another shot at the ship. Yeah. Uh, and due to some clever recabling, they have to actually bring the shield down completely so they can like switch it over to another generator. Patch it to another cell or, or whatever. whatever you've got to... And the, 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 the Skeksis notices, immediately try to start shooting, but the shield comes online just in time and is again at 62% just when, good it, when it gets hit, which causes body swap number two. Now, of course, all of this is thanks to the, the clever repatching, which Gigi Edgley is sent up to do on the on pilot's console, while John Crichton, played by Claudia Black, stays behind. <laughs> this is getting really confusing. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's Claudia Black as John Crichton doing the patching and realising that he, she is on their own. And you see that, like, okay, so there are many divided opinions about what John does in in Aaron's body. Oh, yes. But I think that in the sort of production, they handled it really well. Because in the script, I think, the script was not very specific about what happens there. And it was sort of up to Claudia Black to decide... Okay, he's going what, to get caught. Yeah. In this, John's going to get caught, like, what's messing around doing? with... But yeah. what's he doing? And it was up to Aaron to sort of... Or up to Claudia Black. Black to kind of uh, make that, like, her impersonation of what a guy would do when he finds himself in a woman's body. And, and it's way, pretty much exactly what you would expect it to be. And she does it so well. She does yeah. this, 
Like this, this sort this, of realization, like he, she drops something and then looks down and then realizes, oh, oh, what's down? This oh, look at that. This little 12-year-old boy look when he gets to see some boobies for the first time. Yeah, <laughs> and, and like the sheer elation and makes a whole little production of it for, for oh, himself. Yeah. Like does first the unzipping and then holds it closed and then, boo, there they are. <gasps> like, Peekaboo. Yeah. It's like, oh. And lots of gratuitous shaking up and down, bouncing. There's a lot of wigging and bouncing. Yes. And of course, I think it's Dargo with, uh, which would be Chana in it, Rigel with uh, with Aaron in it, who show up and like, they both look kind of unimpressed about what's going on. And what are you doing? Chana said Aaron. Yeah, Chana goes like, yeah, you need some more private time there. And it's, oh, yeah. And I like that John doesn't do the sort of 90s like sitcom thing where he goes, oh, 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 he goes, hey, come on. Yeah. I'm a guy. A guy? Guys dream about this sort of thing. Yeah. Well, some guys do more than dream about it, then yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you get the chance, yeah. And, you know, this had a lot of opportunity to be sort of sexist and body exploitative, but mm-hmm. I thought it was handled very well because it was Claudia Black's choice how she wanted to, to portray this. Yeah. Because it's her body. Right, yes. Right, and that's and that's kind of important for this thing because it's, yeah, from John's perspective, it is an abuse of somebody else's body, right? Yeah. yeah. But as a performance, it was uh, it was Claudia Black deciding how this uh, how this character should, and even later on, it's confronted like. You were in my shoes. I was in your pants. Excuse me. Oh, that was like one of the biggest fanfic lines that there was. Yeah, with her hand deep in John's pockets playing with right. Johnny's rockets. Of, yeah. of course, there was like a moment when Rigel was uh, occupying John's body. After yeah. he, he pees and he likes to zip back up and it's that moment Oop. that everybody's like, oh, all of the male popul- uh, viewership cringed at that point probably when he's like, oh, yes. <laughs> No, I've never done that. Oh, maybe I've never a very caught, small kid, but I've never I don't caught know. little khaki in in the zip because no. I always like unbutton yeah, t- as well, button and zip. I've never yeah. understood people who just like unzip and Does then fish it out. Yeah, yeah, that seems like really okay. unwieldy. Meh. Pull it out. <laughs> Point it like a gun <laughs> and shoot. In the right way. Yes, that's fine. Even if you've never done it yourself, something you can sympathise with. Oh, you can absolutely! Imagine that, uh... and also like the look on Claudia Black as John Crichton's face, yes. seeing that happening to his body. Yes, and like, he's like, oh, "Oh dear, I'm going to swap back." That's, and that's, that's going to be like that's going to leave a mark. <laughs> little like... Johnny Rocket's going to have a, <laughs> have a... a little scuff mark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, that I mean, that also happens when, at the end, skipping ahead a little bit, when uh, when Dar goes back in his own body and confronts Chiana quite tenderly, like, oh, oh. my uh, my tenkas, which is what he calls the uh, right. uh, the chin tentacles. My yeah. tenkas are sore. I've never felt like that before. Like, what were you doing with them? Oh. Because I really enjoyed being inside your body. Yes. No, wait. I meant that I love being wrong. inside you. Yes. Yeah, you're not going to. Yeah, we do get a little bit of, like, pairing off at the end, isn't it? It's like... That uh, final scene. Chiana like, and Dargo who make a run for it and then yep, you get just, a little exchange between John and Aaron and they too, especially the way right. John leaps up to his feet. Oof. What's going on there? Yeah, that's like... Well, we'll leave that for the fan fiction for now because, oh, the absolute sexiest scene in all of this is Chiana, as played by Anthony Simcoe, yeah. trying to convince Rigel, as played by Ben Browder, hey, how about we just bail? 
Yes, get out of here. That's your answer for everything, Chiana. Just run. And she does the Chiana thing where she corners someone who can help her. Yep. And uses her feminine wiles, or her physical wiles, I should say, to oh, yeah. try and convince them. She does a little grind up against Rigel being played by Ben. Oh, how many have to rub my eyebrows to make me feel like this? I'll rub you anywhere you like in the transport bar. <laughs> yeah, so we've got, okay, so this scene, they didn't rehearse. Oh, they, wow. they sort of very consciously made this choice to, to, to not rehearse this scene, and Ben Browder and Anthony Simcoe just went for it and they got in each other's space and like they yeah. I'm sure that they talked about it as uh, as dudes and co-workers and a little actors. bit of gay chicken play, being played there almost there's some serious <laughs> gay and like what kind of permission they gave each other to uh, uh, to just play this scene however you want to go yes it is so intense Moya you don't have much competition but uh, this is as good as it gets Sluggy but this body is so white and it only lasts another 40 pathetic cycles. Mine will last for... <gasps> I remember it from my first watch through, like, okay, this was 2000. We were not used to, like, positive gay representation on no. television in general and science fiction uh, specifically. Specifically, yeah. Uh, and, you know, as a, as a young gay man, like, I was kind of inured to the idea that this wouldn't be happening. Certainly after we saw how Stans was played for a laugh in The Flax. Yes. For being a, a male-presenting... Female of the species. Yeah, exactly. As they call it, yes. And having a bit of gay panic when uh, when she declared her love from uh, for, for Dargo. Mm. But that was just purely on the side of whoever wrote that or whatever their sentiment was at the time, not of the actors. Because no. the actors, like, they were fully prepared to go there and to have fun with it. Like, a lot of fanfic, I'm sure, sprang from oh, that. Oh, I, I can only imagine that. Episode. And, hey, if we do wind up doing what we've been talking about, which yeah. is, like starting a Patreon and as a perk doing dramatic fanfic readings, readings of fanfic. Yes. I'm really looking forward to getting some of the... Uh, Ooh, that might be a little bit uh, above our usual PG-13 rating. Right. I'm just thinking about that right now because... Oof. <laughs> okay, so we've kind of hit on all of my uh, on all of my favorite bits. Yes. And we're, we're, we tie it all together where we've had uh, two different combinations of John Aaron Rigel and pilot Dargo Chiana. Yeah, we have we had swap over event number two. Yep. And now we are moving into uh, uh, Harlem Globe, Globetrotter territory. Uh, <laughs> what? How? Oh, I think it's a Farscape episode where there's also a body swap going on. This is a Farscape Sorry, episode. Sorry, Farscape. Uh, Farside. No. Uh, Futurama? Futurama, thank you. Okay, there we go. There's Isn't a future- sci-fi with an F. It's either a Futurama or a Simpsons episode where there's like... I never really watched Futurama. Where there's like a there's a body swap going on and they actually had to prove some sort of mathematical theorem for like that there's always an Whoa. option of getting... When there's like two-on-two body swaps, there's always a way to get everybody back into their body with a certain amount of swaps and it's done by a Harlem Globetrotter who like does the math <laughs> on the board. And In this case, fortunately, it's a lot simpler. Everybody just has to stand more or less in the right spot for uh, everybody swaps to the left when the the shields are recharged to 62 percent zan who has now taken control of the uh, the enemy ship uh, managed to fire off another blast yeah and everybody gets zapped back into their own body convincing her to do so is a little tricky because yes. at this point john is inhabiting rigel's body oh yes i love trying part. to tell her no yeah. you need to fire trust us we need you to shoot us again can you do that what is this madness it's not madness Roger, why do you have a picture of Crichton on your chest? Let me speak to him. 
Anzana's like, yeah, yeah, Rigel, uh, whatever. Can you get John to tell me that? Let let me hear it from an adult. <laughs> yeah. And Rigel is inhabiting Aaron's body at that time. Who goes? Well, see what I mean? See what I mean? Nobody this ever happens, happens to me. Always, yeah. I told you. You all say I'm paranoid, but it's true. Which is actually immediately mirrored in the moment that everybody's back in their own body, and people kind of do go back to ignoring Rigel. Yeah. And it's like, and he he mutters a little bit about that. It's, oh, it's only Rigel. I'm back too. Thanks for asking. Back to being me. Back to being ignored. Because <laughs> while Aaron was in John's body, like she talks to Zan over the comms and gives her a thumbs up and like, hey. Trust me. Everything will be all right. If you say so, John. Disgusting. If you say so, John. Trust me. It'll be all right. And she believes it. Well, yachts, if I said that, you'd all vomit. I mean, if we ever get a reboot of Farscape, like, there are two things that I want. Yeah. One is that Rigel recites his little uh, 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 traveling in reverse song again, yeah. which uh, uh, there, there is no force in the universe the will cannot traverse. Oh, there is no expanse of the mind the will cannot traverse, or physically the distance laid across the universe. There's blessings many in the stars, save one lamented curse, that 16th Rigel, glory me, must travel in reverse. <laughs> And there's a little dance, which he doesn't do. But no. with modern technology, they Rigel could can totally do that. make him yes, dance. Yes, right. There's that and another body swap episode. Yeah, actually, just make it permanent. I want to see all the time Anthony Simcoe doing Chiana and wow. John uh, Ben Browder doing Rigel because, oh come on, like <laughs> Anthony Simcoe as Dargo is great. Anthony Simcoe as Dargo Ch- as Chiana Anna, is way boy. better. Ooh, yes, but I do think it would get old after a while. That's a problem I welcome. Well, yeah, okay, no, you're right, you're right. We wouldn't love them the way we do, but I just want to see that Johnny Crichton's bits. Again, not PG-13, so that's probably not going to happen. But one can always wish, and you can always always write your own fan fiction. I I hope you come up with a better episode title, because otherwise that's going to be it. Johnny Crichton's bits, yeah, I'm down with that. So, um, I guess <laughs> yeah. we've covered the Oh, you're episodes. down with Johnny Crichton's bits, yeah? Oh, well. Uh. Yeah, no, that, that sounds like a soundbite that I should be including in the trailer. <laughs> okay, so, Willis and Woody. Oh. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> you know that you... Oh. Oh. It might have set my mind into a certain direction. <laughs> it, is my will- it is by Willie alone I set my mind Woody, in motion. Is that my Woody in motion? <laughs> That's for your dude nerds out there. <laughs> Bilal Kaifa, you're out there. Okay, yeah. Oh. Okay, mine... Okay, yeah, yeah go, go. Okay. She gives me a Woody. She gives you the Willies. My Woody is the DRDs being able to take Polaroids. I thought that was so cute yes, and so great. Just gotta, the like, DRDs boink, can do everything that the plot requires them to. They're so great, and there's so many of them because I mean yeah. they kept getting knocked around, and eventually, like the creature department just got a budget for just build us new DRDs, and this one needs to do that. Can and we get another turn? That. Yeah, I guess this they one have, has a little arm, and that one has a gun. Yeah, I guess they have like hero props for whatever DRD uh, does things. Of course, like in canon, they can do everything, and like in yeah. practice, they just like take the one with whichever they need to do what particular thing at that point. Oh, I wonder if the creature shop had nicknames for the DRDs. Oh, like this one's the gunny, and that one has the stabby, the stabby and gunny and. <laughs> <laughs> Stabby and Killy. Yeah. 
<laughs> and squirty. <laughs> yep, I think we found a new game. We need to name these DRDs. DRDs yeah. Okay, for like my willy. It's kind of, well, okay, so the Skeksis. Okay. The Skeksis weren't quite as amazing as they could have been. And I know that that's probably like a, a, a combination of factors. Like in the page of the creature book that we just read yeah. together, Dave Elsie didn't feel like they met their potential. And I felt that as well, because when they were talking, yeah. it didn't look like they were talking because the jaw was so open. And yeah, this is like, seemed to make, make no point for that jaw to actually move for exactly. him to make the sound. And as the, the species as well, they were a little bit underdeveloped, I suppose. I mean, they had a little Ooh, bit of mo- they had okay. a little bit of motivation in like what they were doing. Like we had an ins- oh, we actually we had an insane military commander trying to uh, <laughs> yeah. do a little bit of uh, point scoring to uh, level up, I guess. Uh, yeah, and that seemed to involved. be their entire motivation. I mean, they tried to at one point, even after uh, they can't fire anymore, they just go ramming speed and they try to like ram Moya yeah. with their ship, which is only narrowly avoided because at this point, I believe it is Chiana who is occupying pilot, is oh, uh, yeah. having to uh, do evasive maneuvers, which only barely works. It's just just a glum, uh, glimpse of the uh, of the bow. But yeah, yeah, that's when little... we see the up-close ship, which has like all sorts of spikes all over the place. Yeah, I'm still not sure entirely where their weapon is because the ship sort of looks like a, a multi-petaled flower with yeah. spikes, but it has what looks like missile banks. Right, but you I know, think those were only also spikes. I mean, it looked more like, you know... Yeah, but any time that we see the weapon being fired, it's from behind. Yeah. But it sort of looks plausible, like it would be one of those missiles that's being fired, but... Yeah, I don't except know. it's an energy weapon, which needs charge. Yeah, you're it needs, right. it's, It needs three uh, arms of charging at a certain point. No, you're right, you're right. Uh, yeah, I... <sighs> I don't know that I can join you there because I actually kind of like that. I like okay. Well, I like when you get properly alien aliens. when they're aliens, which which their motivation isn't entirely transferable into human uh, concepts. No, I get right. that. Right, yeah. and they talk like sort of simplified. You know, it's almost like a pigeon of English right. that they're speaking, which is being translated, of course. But yeah, like I thought that they were intriguing and and had uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't even say complexity, but just alienness. That's a that's an easy win for me. So that makes a point. Like, uh, yeah, not developing too much is actually an editorial choice at that point to uh, to keep yeah. to keep them more alien and just like, okay, these are these creatures and they do their things for their own motivations. And it's, yeah. it's about Moya's crew's response, not necessarily about right. Good point. What uh, because this is always like the the sort of sort of Damocles is knit, but sort of the razor's edge that uh, uh, writers of these stories walk on. Like, you want a compelling villain, but not one that distracts too much. From the from, from the heroes, heroes yeah, uh, and so that was. I mean, that was very much the case here. So, ooh, it's maybe okay. Maybe my Woody goes to the set of the Halosian mm-hmm. uh, Bridge, which kind of just seemed like a studio with some bits uh, hung, hanging off the walls. Uh, yeah, it sort of looked like the American Gladiator set it, again. It was very, like in, yeah, it was, uh, it was very high and open. And but, I mean, that makes sense if they're avians, which apparently they were, because they have, have feathers and wings. So <laughs> yeah, turn around and spread your feathers. Yes. <laughs> Actually, no, I know where my witty's going to go. Jonathan Hardy, Rigel's voice actor, yeah. portrayal of John Crichton, where His he American did accent. such a poor American accent, <laughs> accent that he just sounds like a farmer from Bristol. It you know. does a bit, yes. All right, let's try this. And I've got a brand new combine harvester. <laughs> and I'll give you the key. Yes, and then, of course... Willie. Oh, oh, it's got to be the, 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 the scene between uh, uh, Simcoe and Browder. As Chiana and, oh, really? and Rigel. 
Oh wait, no, this is the other way around. Yeah, Sorry. right. No, there's been so many willies in this episode. No, there's just like been, they're yes. all Johnny Crichton's bits. Yes, yes. No, yes, that's yes. my that's my Woody like that Johnny. scene. They had so much fun with that. That they must have, yes. Just to play that off and like everybody trying to get did. in each other's head. What I also liked, I mean, it's not Willie or Woody worthy, but that they actually refer to the uh, the clamshells. Can you put it on the clamshell? I'll try. Uh, the thing that yeah. he actually calls put it, it on the put clamshell. It on the clamshell. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that how long it took them, how many times he had to explain that to them. Well. So the, I mean, they would. They have other bivalves in space. Have, I suppose so. Yeah. Oh yeah. When Skektak arrives on uh, on Moya, Ben Browder's Rigel sort of boasts like for the first time in a thousand cycles we actually have enough food, and he lists a bunch of food, including ah, yes. Hynerian Marjules. Hynerian Marjules. They gave me Marjules, Crichton. Lovely Hynerian Marjules. Mm. Which are the little snail things that oh, he ate in uh, yes. the reaction. So they actually have gotten more resupplies, yes. Yeah, somehow. Okay. Wow, what an episode. Yeah, right. Oh, this was amazingly good fun to watch. I have been looking forward to sharing this with you for so long, and <laughs> I've, and I've resisted the urge happened. to re-watch it as well. Oh, you wanted to be a little bit fresh into it as well. That's, I like yeah. being uh, no, as totally. frankly fascinated as you are. No, I can imagine that. And that's the story so far, Scape. Attention. Transmission coming in. Hey, it's your friend Kaki speaking to you from the future. Uh, since recording this episode, uh, we did indeed start a Patreon. Um, it's over at patreon.com slash sofarscape. So if you want to show your support and chip in, uh, we've put up a bunch of tiers starting at $1 a month, and they all get the same benefits. So pick whatever amount you're comfortable with. Stop whenever you want. It's all totally cool. We appreciate the heck out of all of you. Uh, that said, there's some fun, exclusive bonus material for our patrons. <laughs> no Johnny Crichton's bit song just yet, but hey, don't give up hope. Um, but I'm posting GIF packs for each new episode we release, and uh, Kay and I are doing dramatic readings of fanfiction from way back when Farscape was first released. Uh, we have a lot of fun with them, uh, and we figured it'd be a nice way to show our appreciation to our supporters on Patreon. Uh, speaking of which, thank you to Lee and uh, Tonks and Crimson and <laughs> Wookie Tiddy, who I think only became a patron, so he'd finally get me to say his full username. Folks, your support means the world to us, and we promise that if there's anything left over after we pay for hosting and software subscriptions and whatever, we solemnly swear we'll spend it on absolute nonsense, like more books or memorabilia. Anyway... Uh, go to patreon.com slash sofarscape, pick whatever tier you're comfortable with to show your support, enjoy the jeeps and the fanfics, and if you sign up, we'll give you a shout-out next time. That's patreon.com slash sofarscape, and you're all frelling awesome. We'll see you next week with episode 210, My Three Crichtons, in which all life is precious except apparently genetically inferior or superior clones of humanity. <laughs> so the next time you go to sacrifice someone to save yourself, remember, you're genetically mundane. The, the more, more you, know. you know. Thank you for that one, <laughs> one walkie. Yes, uh, you can find us at So Farscape on Facebook and Twitter. We're especially active on Twitter. We'd love to see you there. Also, if you go to our, our Twitter, we have a little link to the uh, to a form where you can submit your own synopses for upcoming episodes. As long as they are factually completely correct and incomprehensible to me. There you go. <laughs> 
Thank you for joining us. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so far, skate so, so good. good.